2: To those listening on SiriusXM 85 or on the podcast, we have not been hacked. And usually, I'm extra sensitive to the audio experience, but today I don't care <laughs> because that video was the best two minutes that I've experienced. The most unexpected, you know, Peter. The best movies are the ones for me where I don't know anything about it, like Coda on one of the best picture I saw it months ago. I didn't know anything about it. You turn it on, it's like, holy crap, this is awesome. That two minutes, I've watched that thing 30 times and that is not an exaggeration. And there was a period last night, I was very unproductive because I kept watching it over and over again because you would keep seeing more shade, very subtle shade that was being thrown in every possible direction. I mean, that thing is a work of art. I'm telling you, it's an anime video for those of you who can't see it go to chargers.com and watch it or to their social media profile. It is phenomenal. I, and look, I'm not prone to exaggeration. I'm, and I will, I will not engage in false praise. This was one of the best things I've ever seen in
1: my entire life. Yeah. And Mike, it was what made it so good was the subtleties involved. And you know, it's not very subtle. When you look at the Falcons And, you know, basically say, hey, 20%. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say the subtleties just made it so good. Okay. One of which was you look at the Raiders in the second game and there's a treasure chest and it says AB's discarded helmets. And now look at this. (laughs) Who is this sitting at a bar in Columbus, Ohio? It's yeah. a it's a it's a sad urban Meyer. Look at this, this is nothing a subtle about to that. All the women, nothing subtle about that. All the women who are you know who feel that they've been jobbed, uh, you know, in the you know with the Deshaun Watson story. So there's so much. Look, twenty eight percent off three waffles or more. It just there's so many things in here. Look at Andy Reid looking like he's in South Park. I mean, yep. it's just everything about it. Was just yeah, how about clever. that one? Oh, oh what, yeah, but wait the, a minute! The shade and Why Shefty is and Rappaport, Rappaport. Shefter in here? No, Why? it's great. Why? It's
2: great. They're because they're throwing a little shade at the fact. You see, they tw- it's the thumb race on Twitter. They get it. That's what it is. But they they, they understand the business we're in. in. I just thought it was great. What it was does nice it have to do with the schedule? I just thought it was great. It, I, th- I thought it was great. Shade, well, it is funny. It's
1: funny. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I was a what, nice what is this mean, twist. The part about the oh, Rams. What does that part about the, the Rams mean? Where they, they, they They're uh, doing a ritual where they're selling their souls. They're burning their draft picks and selling their souls.
2: They were that's what the Rams were doing. It was the the behind them. It was draft picks that were burning. They were they were doing some sort of satanic ritual there with the with the you know the okay, uh, but what, whatever that was. Why the, goat the W? Skull. Well, it because it was the Rams uh, house the the shoddy Rams house that they put over the Hollywood sign. I think they were just making yeah. the observation that that was kind of oh, it didn't I look see. good when I they see. did it. So and maybe they're yeah. maybe they plan to get a W when they play. Maybe that wasn't very subtle either. Yeah. The, what, a couple of things that I noticed there. I, obviously the Urban Meyer thing was beautiful, and if you look closely,
1: you'll see the Urban Meyer thing was fantastic.
2: You'll see video on the TV screens. Of when Philip Rivers threw a 90-yard screen touchdown pass against the Jaguars a few years ago and screamed "90-yard touchdown," that's the video that's playing up behind Sad Urban Meyer in his bar in <laughs> <and> Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> just that is unbelievable. And, and Peter, let me give you another example. You caught the dumpster with AB's discarded helmets. There was also a Chucky doll, partially obscured. In that dumpster. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And another one, too. When they played the Raiders early, on the flagpole, the Raiders flagpole they show, it's written family, trust, respect. That was the theme of the Brandon Staley, what's your reaction to the John Gruden emails press conference. Family, trust, respect. And then when the ship has been commandeered on the front end is written in charger's powder blue family trust respect i mean that is ultra but next level john
1: gruden shade but from the lhr i'm going to tell you <clears throat> i'm going to tell you the one other one that that i noticed on this one on this exact one can we just keep that up for a second look at the lgbtq rainbow right at the bottom to uh-huh. say that well maybe done. maybe we respect maybe we respect all people of all persuasions. And maybe some people in some franchises don't. That's what I thought when I saw the rainbow right there. As well as the rainbow, the bigger rainbow in the Deshaun Watson one. The
2: the one thing that I've yet to crack, and I'm gonna have to get in touch with someone at the Chargers to get the answer to this. They have See the hat on the skull? I don't know what that hat signifies yeah. because they have the same hat in the next shot where they've got three Raiders players, Derek Carr, Max Crosby, and I think Hunter Renfro with that hat. We'll see it here in a second. On the boat, they're going to flash to it. It's a little bit forward. Uh, from that, but I I don't get I don't know what that hat's a reference to, and that right there, that hat means something, and I don't know yeah. what, and I got to figure that out. Um, yeah. The the uh, also I got I got I got a whole <laughs> list of them. The, the, the Kyler Murray uh, deleting his social media post that's in there when they're getting ready to play the Cardinals. When they get ready to play the Colts, it, it, and it happens so fast, I didn't notice it at first. They got Pat McAfee. Playing basically a meth addled Carney working the carousel with the For the Brand tank top on. Is it McAfee? As, as, Can
1: we see that? It's McAfee. No, that's Can we McAfee. See that? There he is. There he is.
2: Yeah. There's McAfee playing a Carney working the carousel at the as they get ready to play the Colts and the horses the on brand? the carousel. Yeah, that's his, that's his thing. Yep, yep. Um, there was one more, too. This one wasn't as, as, as uh, funny, but I'm going to say it anyway. When they get ready to play the Titans, if you look very carefully, not only have they crossed out Titan up and replaced it with Bolt up, but someone, someone wrote, A.J. was here on the, on the stadium wall as Derrick Henry looms. A.J. was here. Just It's just beautiful. It really is a work of art. And I thought they'd outdone themselves earlier in the day when they did their schedule in pop tart form, and I thought, wow, they had found seventeen actual pop tart flavors that would signify their opponents. Until you take a closer look at some of them, of uh, just it, it just, it just bizarre and funny. You know, the pop tart mini crisps because they're playing the Jimmy mini crisp. of Kyler Murray. They've got the the uh, Heinz ketchup on a pop tart when they're getting ready to play Patrick Mahomes. There. <laughs> That that thing, that was great, but the video, the video was ultra next level, a work of art. In our
1: world, a work of art. Mike, I've got to, I got to just say one other thing. So last night when I was looking at all these things, did you see the Denver Broncos one? Oh, that's, yeah, that, that, that was, that was as
2: close to the line. Some of them were pretty close to the line. That that but, if I'm the Broncos, but, I'm not
1: real thrilled about that one. Well, here's the one interesting thing about that. Okay, so like I, I I mean the this is this is a very very you've got to do these videos so that people share them and particularly young people say I've got to see that I got to see it uh, and all this, but. Russell Wilson being the receptionist after getting indoctrinated into his job by Peyton Manning. Last year's intern, this year's intern is a is a bespectacled Russell Wilson. Okay, so now he is playing the uh, receptionist at the front desk of the Denver Broncos. And there's a phone call. And he said, yeah, yeah, hold on. Mr. Manning, Mr. Manning, I've got a Mike Roch on the phone. He says he knows you. <laughs> you know a Mike Roch? <laughs> I hadn't seen that I one. I, you, I, I just I I fell on the floor.
2: That's great. What what I was what I was uh, and I think we're going to play that later in the program. I thought you meant the Broncos reference in the Chargers video when they've got Let Russ Cook on the headband. Yeah, the 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 place is on on fire fire. behind them. And it was. (laughs) I'm thinking if I'm the Broncos, I'm pissed off about this because that was a serious fire. Like, they may not have the stadium completely ready by week one. That's how big of a deal that fire was. They may not. They got got like several hundred seats that have to be replaced and damaged luxury suites. I mean, they're going to have to hustle because they got to get the materials and supply chain and all that stuff. Joe Ellis spoke about that at the time. So if I'm the – that's the first let Russ cook. It's later where – The stadium behind him literally is on fire in about the spot where the fire was. Again, it was genius. It was genius. Oh, and by the way, when you get a chance, Peter, check out the gravestones at the Seattle Cemetery. Uh, There are some some funny inscriptions beyond just, here lies the Legion of Boom. There's five or six others there, so check that out. If you can see very – you can't really make it out there. The one on the far right says 2001 Seattle Mariners. (laughs) (laughs) that's great that is just great all right let's get into the schedules and as you said earlier peter the broncos are receiving plenty of trust and faith from 345 park avenue that they are going to be pretty good this year and a lot of primetime games a lot of big platform games and when you take when you take a team that seems to be on the rise already and you throw in a proven winner at
1: quarterback, their trust is not misplaced. Hey, look, <clears throat> the interesting thing about the Denver schedule that I thought is it really isn't, it's tough early, okay, but it it isn't a killer. Like the NFL is saying to them, hey, look, we're going to try our best to get you guys off to a hot start so that, uh, you can play some huge national games in the first six weeks of the season. Because look at it. You know, Denver ought to beat Seattle. They ought to beat the Texans at home. And then three of the next four games are on a national stage. So to me, I think what they've done with Denver is that they've allowed them a, a, a runway. You know, there's no guarantees. They've allowed them a runway to get off to a hot start so that they will become, however many national teams there are in the league, 10, 12, whatever, the next national team that the NFL has been looking for. I'm not a big proponent of determining
2: schedule difficulty this year based on record last year. I know that's a thing. I don't think it's relevant because every year is different. When you have 50% turnover in your postseason field, that underscores every year is different. It shouldn't be overly
1: relevant, but it's relevant.
2: However, the Chiefs, for the first time ever, they start the season with eight games. No team's ever done this. Eight games against teams that had a winning record the prior season and look they're going to play those teams anyway but to have them all clustered and this is something sims and i talk about all the time you get some cupcakes early it, it it creates the vibe for your season you get some some tough opponents early and you lose some games and you find yourself chasing 500 or chasing that leader in your division or trying to get the one seed the one seed's gone because you had too many tough games early but look at that the first seven weeks, then they have a bye, then they have the Titans. That entirety of the left-hand side of their schedule is against teams that had winning records in 2021. And that's
1: never happened before. I the first thing I noticed about their schedule is that this team is going to get going to get home from from Phoenix at midnight or one o'clock uh, after their first game. And then the coaches are going to stumble off the plane and they're going to go right into their offices at one o'clock in the morning and continue to prepare the game plan for a short week Thursday night game against the Chargers. Which, by the way, has become a little bit of uh, kryptonite for, for the Chiefs. Not necessarily that they lose to them all the time. Every time they play the Chargers... It is a it's a death cage match, whatever that thing is in wrestling. You know, it's it's a it's a one of the toughest games they have on their schedule every year. Now, the only advantage that I see to uh, to Kansas City's schedule, and it's I, I don't I mean it's almost damning with faint praise, but if you look at their schedule, the last quartile of their schedule, okay. It is not, the last game is going to be really tough. But Texans, Seahawks, and and whatever the Broncos are, especially the Texans and Seahawks, that allows them a little bit to get well before the playoffs, you would think. But this is really, really a tough schedule. You pointed out with with the first eight games against teams that had winning records last year, but it is pockmarked throughout. How about you think you get a little breather? Ah, boy, we got the Jaguars. And then at the Chargers, and then you play the two Super Bowl teams in a span of eight days. It's just, I, you know, look, Kansas City had a tough schedule no matter how it fell. This is really going to be a challenge for them.
2: And, you know, the reality is that there isn't much deviation in the schedule. Now, the 17th game, creates a situation where if you won the division, you play a division winner from the other conference and so on. So there is baked in some advantage and disadvantage. But, you know, in the AFC West, when they are highly competitive and they're packed together, first-place schedule for the Chiefs versus fourth-place schedule for the Broncos, that may be all the difference it takes for the Broncos to win the division. When you you consider the murderer's row that the Chiefs have – It's not quite so murdery for the Broncos. That could be the edge that Denver and Russell Wilson may need, Peter.
1: Yeah. You know, Mike, this is a little bit of 180 degrees away from this, but I thought a lot last night about Tyreek Hill. And the reason I thought of Tyreek Hill is that if you look at Kansas City right now, they've got to get up to speed right away. Because without Tyreek Hill, you've got to make sure that Juju Smith Schuster is ready week one to be a factor, you know, and and the other acquisitions they've had. They got to be ready week one. And then you kind of look at Tyreek Hill and you say, the Miami Dolphins, I was a little bit surprised two primetime games for the Dolphins. I mean, did that hit you at all? Like, this is, this is a year when we thought that, that Miami has answered a lot of questions. And we don't know about Tua. Nobody knows about Tua. To me, when I saw the two primetime games, that said to me, the NFL does not trust Tua Tongavaloa. But they're going to be really an exciting team when you look at it. And I was surprised to see only two, two primetime games for them. They won eight of their
2: final nine games last year. And yes, they have a new coach, but they kept their defense in place. Their defensive coordinator, Josh Boyer, is still there. There's no reason to believe the Dolphins are going to struggle this year, and they're going to be an exciting team to watch with Tyreek Hill. But I think it is, Peter, it's a mild indictment of their quarterback situation. What drives the bus for NFL teams now? It's quarterbacks. And I guarantee you, if the Tom Brady to Miami thing had happened, they'd have a lot more than two primetime games. They'd have the full compliment of five along with the other 12 teams and the Buccaneers would not be one of them it would be Dolphins with five and
1: Buccaneers with two if they were lucky the other weird thing about the schedule and again look I'm sure it'll be a big deal at the time but just one of the weirdest Christmas Day matchups that I can imagine is Aaron Rodgers on South Beach it's just it just is an odd odd thing to think about that on Christmas day, you know, it's like, it's like LeBron going to play the Knicks or something in Madison square garden on Christmas day. I thought that was really odd, but you know, Miami is one of these teams that I, I just look at Miami. If everything goes right, if things really go right for them, they've got the schedule. They really do have the schedule to win 10 games and to be the sixth or seventh team in the playoffs, I think. And again, they got to win some games that you look at it, you say you shouldn't win. But I mean, with that defense and with the weapons that they have right now, I don't think it's out of the question. I just was a little surprised that they're only on primetime twice. We're going to take a break. When we return, we'll take a closer
2: look at the Christmas schedule and more. But, but I have been informed that the skull and crossbones on the Raiders flag with that hat, that was a reference to the very popular One Piece anime series, that they actually used that skull and crossbones with the hat on it, that that is directly from the One Piece anime series. So just as Peter King 10 years ago did not know what twerking was, I did not know what One Piece anime was. I now do, and my life is better for it. I still don't know. (laughs) I don't know what One Piece anime is. I don't either, but I just know that's what that hat is. We'll be back with more PFD Live right after this.
0: I've been working on a top secret mission of putting together the giant schedule. Perfect. No one asked me to do this. That's how much of a secret it is. Eeny, meeny, miny, (laughs) no. Shocker.
1: Thank you for calling United Airlines. How can I help you?
0: Uh, Yes, I'd like to change my flight from Green Bay to London.
1: Are you premier status?
0: Uh, no. But I am elite. Who are the commanders? When did that happen? Double birds. I know people in high places at all the teams. Hey hey, how's my favorite Victor? Don't play indoors, right? So I don't have to worry about the weather. Let's do I, I'm thinking night game. What about a Thursday night? Uh, Okay. What about, how about Thanksgiving? No, I don't want to do Thanksgiving. I got plans. Huh, this is gonna be a lot harder than I thought. All right, I'll call you back with some other ideas. It always feels good when you take on a challenge and master it immediately. (laughs) That was a bad idea. Eli? Hey, Peyton, let me... Yeah, I told you I'm working. Don't bother me. Pey- Peyton. Oh, Always a big help. Ooh, not that one. Uh, you got to cut that.
2: <laughs> Eli, sneaky funny. Every bit as funny as Peyton. Every team. Now, Now there's going to be a competition. I'm telling you. The Chargers thing is raising the bar. Next year when they drop the schedule, Peter, I am expecting more and more of these excellent. And I've, and there are so many good ones I haven't seen yet. I need to go team by team and make sure I see all of them. The Cowboys was hilarious. John Randall did the Vikings. There are so many of them out there. I think I'm just going to take the rest of the day off after we're done and go to all 32 websites and watch their
1: schedule or release videos over and over again. It's gotten to be a contest, and if you do it, if you do an innocent one, you're square. That's all there is to it. You've got to have some edgy crap in there, or else it's not any good, just like Eli with the double birds. I mean, you've got to have something in there that people are going to say, ooh... Or in every single frame, there's got to be something like that hidden,
2: like the Chargers did, so you never can quite relax during the thing. That's what made it so amazing. Right? They all have a little like that, but the challenge next year is going to be to have it start to finish chock full. All right, chock full of great lineups, Sunday Night Football, the entire NBC package. We know it begins with Bills at Rams. That week one Sunday night game, there's the music, I'm ready to play some games now, not me personally. Buccaneers at Cowboys, Bears at Packers, 49ers Broncos, 49ers know a thing or two about Russell Wilson, that's week three. We know about week four, holy crap, Super Bowl 55 rematch with the Chiefs and the Bucks. Bengals-Ravens after that, hello, Bengals in primetime five times this year, which is good, they deserve it. Cowboys-Eagles, always a big game. Steelers-Dolphins, one of the two primetime games, as Peter mentioned earlier, for the Miami Dolphins. Pittsburgh Steelers likely will be competitive, should be a great game. Packers-Bills, another potential Super Bowl preview in Buffalo. Green Bay gets to make that trip. Titans-Chiefs, hey, that should be a very competitive game. They've played some good games postseason and regular season in recent years. Chargers-Niners, Week 11 Bengals Steelers we get to see Joe Burrow again how about the Thanksgiving night game I'm very intrigued by this Patriots Vikings Vikings have never hosted the or played in the Thanksgiving night game Patriots last played on Thanksgiving on the butt fumble game 10 years ago and the Vikings have struggled against New England during the Tom Brady tenure they get a chance to play them without Brady Packers Eagles week 12 and then the home stretch which we know is always culminates in TBD week 18 the best game the most relevant game the game with the results that have the biggest playoff implications and that hold until the end of the day will wrap the season but before that Colts Cowboys Chiefs Broncos that's hey look Mahomes and Wilson twice a year now Patriots Raiders Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick reunion sneaky great game there Bucks Cardinals on Christmas and then Rams and Chargers in the stadium they share before we get to the week 18 game it's a hell of a schedule and it's it's look it's it's in the NFL's interest to use that platform to put great games there and the NFL consistently does it it will be great 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 sunday nights all year long without one that you look at and say oh god take that week off
1: i mean the weirdest thing about looking at that schedule right there is the game that i think is most intriguing on the christmas new year uh, Christmas weekend, New Year weekend uh, schedules. I, I mean, happens on Christmas Eve. And that is, you know, the Steelers and the Raiders in Pittsburgh playing 50 years and one day after the Immaculate Reception game. The most dramatic uh, end to a big game in NFL history and happened 50 years ago. And I think one of the things that we're going to find as we do some more reporting about the schedule is that weeks ago, I I don't know how many, but weeks ago, the NFL viewed this as almost a tentpole game that they wanted to have on the anniversary weekend of when the Immaculate Reception was. They had Raiders at Steelers. And if you look at this play... We still don't know everything about the play. Terry Bradshaw almost sacked. Throws. I don't. still don't know how he got an accurate pass away. It caroms off Tatum and maybe off Frenchie Fuqua. Franco Harris runs the ball into the end zone. So as the clock expires, the Steelers erase a 7-6 deficit and win the game 13-7. So this... And by the way, you know a lot of people won't really understand, but this was a game that I'm telling you haunted John Madden till the day he died. This was his most bitter defeat, and he, in fact, when I asked him eight or ten months before he died, you know about this game and talking about it, and and actually he had the phone that Fred Swearingen called upstairs on. In this game, Uh, he had the phone in his house, and I texted him. I said, I want to talk about it. And he said, no, we won't be talking about that game. And so this had some of the biggest drama ever. And, And look, Mike, I'll just say this, and I just finished writing something in my column last night for this. So the three big people in this play for the Steelers, Terry Bradshaw, Frenchie Fuqua, and Franco Harris are all in their 70s, and they are all alive. We got to get them there that day for this game. They, and I know Terry's got a very, very rough relationship historically with the Steelers, but how incredible would it be that day to see those three guys out on the field, whatever, for some ceremonial whatever it is, I just, I think that would be awesome.
2: Art Rooney, the owner of the team, said that they have events planned the day before, Friday the 23rd, the actual anniversary game played on Christmas Eve at night. Now, the Steelers usually don't like Heinz Field night games, in part because people got to go to work the next day and they don't get as many to show up, but it'll be a different vibe to have a home game at night on Christmas Eve. The NFL has typically avoided that, that hope, yeah, it, 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 but they are they're leaning into Christmas now. They understand that the captive audience that you have at Thanksgiving is still there. They're back again four weeks later for Christmas. And uh, what, what a time for that game. And, and Peter, I, I, I could go on and on about the Immaculate Reception game because that's when I discovered the NFL December 23, 1972. We, we were the only house in the neighborhood. That had that game on TV because we were picking up a channel that was outside of the blackout bubble. Back in those days, even if the game was sold out, wasn't televised within 90 miles of the stadium. Nobody else in the neighborhood had it. House was full and that place went crazy. And I didn't see grown-ups acting like that very often unless alcohol was involved when I was that age. And uh, and maybe some was, uh, especially afterward. But that got my attention. That that moment got my attention. That whatever that thing is that they're watching must be pretty, pretty big for them to react the way they did. And of course, it it opened the. Even though it took two years to win the Super Bowl, a lot of people think they won the Super Bowl that year. They did not. They lost to the Dolphins at home. The undefeated Dolphins had to go to Pittsburgh because it wasn't based on your record at the time. They hosted the Dolphins in the AFC Championship ordained, game. The yeah. Dolphins won. Yeah, it was it was just bizarre
1: that the Dolphins the other, would have had to go hey, to Mike, Pittsburgh. Mike, the other thing about that game and that period of time in Pittsburgh sports history, I would argue that in an eight-day period, there's never been uh, two events as big in, in Pittsburgh history in such a short period of time. First of all, the Steelers win the Immaculate Reception game. People go crazy. And then the following Sunday... Four hours after they lose to the Miami Dolphins, Roberto Clemente perishes in a plane crash trying to uh, send, um, you know, disaster relief to Managua, Nicaragua uh, on a, an old plane, I guess, that, you know, they found a lot of problems in the intervening years and, and afterwards. that And that plane just sort of, uh, you know, it dropped into the Caribbean that night and Roberto Clemente died. And basically, that happened on New Year's Eve. So everybody in Pittsburgh woke up on New Year's Day 1973 trying to digest that the Steelers were out of it after losing. That's all they knew when they went to bed. And then they wake up to the news that Roberto Clemente, the biggest hero in the history of the Pirates, uh, had died. And uh, that was... uh, I, I, I just can't imagine being alive in the city of Pittsburgh at the time and feeling the emotional swing that you must've felt over that week.
2: It really is a memorable time and they are, I think going to do it right with the 50th anniversary looming this year, the NFL doing it right by giving the Steelers that Raiders home game. And if the Raiders hadn't beaten the chargers in the final game of the 2021 season, they wouldn't even be playing this year. It would have been the chargers who would have been going to Pittsburgh at some point this year instead because of the the scheduling formula. All right, the Christmas Day games. The the first time ever the NFL is playing three games on Christmas Day. Take that NBA. Packers-Dolphins on Fox early. Peter mentioned that last segment. Broncos-Rams, CBS and Nickelodeon in the traditional Thanksgiving Cowboys spot at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, and then Buccaneers-Cardinals on NBC to wrap the day last year it was Colts Cardinals on the, on Christmas night that did extremely well I mean the NFL is is taking over Christmas because the Christmas games perform it was Saints Vikings a couple of years ago it, it, it was a blowout but it performed really well the two games last year Packers Browns Colts Cardinals performed really well they understand it. it's just like Thanksgiving people are at home they've they've eaten too much food they've had a little too much holiday cheer and they settle onto their couch and what are we going to watch? Let's watch football. You can only watch a Christmas story so many times. Let's watch football and and that's what's gonna happen and sorry n b a so and a uh, big cat uh our friend big cat made a great observation last night like it it destroys the opportunity n b a to schedule games involving some of their biggest teams because of the NFL teams that are involved. Those cities get knocked out as a practical matter for NBA games. It would be competing with the NFL
1: that day. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And and look, for years, you know, the NBA has owned Christmas. And I think the NFL basically has said, why are we just conceding Christmas Day? And look, if Christmas falls on a Wednesday, they'll probably concede it at least for now, and you never can tell what they're going to do years from now. But my feeling about all of this is everything is fair game. And you'll notice, Mike, I don't know, I forget whether we've talked about this at all, but the NFL decided not to do the, uh, the Black Friday game this year, which I reported a week or so ago. And one of the reasons they decided not to do it is that they were going to have to cram it in a window between the USA-England World Cup game and having it off the air by 7 o'clock when primetime starts, 7 o'clock Eastern. So they're going to have to play it at either 11 o'clock in the morning, which they weren't going to do, or they were going to have to play it at 4 p.m. And the NFL just figured that why will we do this let's wait until we can actually own the day next year on Black Friday. So that will be on the schedule next year, but they didn't do it this year.
2: I think next year when Christmas is on a Monday, there will be three NFL games, not one or two, but three. And mm-hmm. then the year after that is when it bumps to Wednesday due to leap year. That's when, the, that's when it's going to get interesting. And I think they'll find a way to play at least one game on Wednesday. They'll find a way. They'll bargain with the union. It's going to be too big to give it up by then. And then you've got Thursday, Friday. You know, they're, they're, they can do every day easily except Tuesday and Wednesday. But we saw a pandemic year. You can do Tuesday and Wednesday if you really want to. And I think they're really going to want to. I don't want to take a break, but I need to take a break. Let's do that. When we return, Carson Wentz has not one but two revenge tours in 2022. We'll break that down next here on PFT Live.
0: As my internship comes to a close today, I've been tasked with training my replacement for the Broncos' newest summer intern. And I, too, know what it's like starting a new job in a new city. So I figured I'd show them the ropes. schedule release, it's top secret information and you never know who might be trying to get their hands on it. I mean, these insiders, they are determined, borderline ruthless to get their hands on the scoop. Hey! Come on! You see what I mean? Look at this guy. And This is pathetic. It's real. It's disgusting.
2: That's funny. Very good. Um, I, I have to say something about Russell Wilson. I admire how Confident he is in who he is, that he had no qualms about walking side-by-side next to a normal-sized NFL quarterback that just demonstrates (laughs) how short he is by NFL quarterback standards. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things in that. There aren't the subtleties. There's never been as many subtleties uh, as as the Chargers have put out. But there's quite a few subtleties in here that I liked a lot about this video. And you watch it a second time and you see some of the things with Nathaniel Hackett in there uh, really getting on the intern. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty smart.
2: I'm going to have to check that one out. I have to check them all out. That's my day. Don't expect to see many posts from me on PFT today, folks. I'm going to be watching all of the schedule release videos over and over and over again, as should you, because it's worth the time in this this slow period. And it is. This is a great way to fill it up with some NFL content. All right. Carson Wentz. He now has two former teams that he hates, and they hate him in Philadelphia and in Indianapolis three of his games this year against those teams now the Washington Commanders starting quarterback faces the Eagles week three and ten week ten goes to Philadelphia for a Monday night game and then the Colts week eight at Indy welcome back Carson Wentz I don't think Jim Ursay is going to be waiting to greet you when
1: you get off the bus yeah, I mean, these had to come. The fact that they come so close to each other, the two road games at Indy and Philadelphia, in you know within a 15-day span, that's going to be some emotional football. But hey, look, you wrote it, uh, and you're absolutely right. Carson Wentz needed to get away from family. He needed to get away from. The Philadelphia Eagles who drafted him. The only team he knew. The only people he knew. And then he goes to Indianapolis with uh, a remnant of his time in Philadelphia. Frank Reich. And so he needs to go out on his own. That's what he needs. And he is going to get that chance. And for those games to really mean something in the grand scheme of things, Washington's got to win a couple of games at least early on that they probably, that you don't think they'll win. For instance, you know, at Dallas, uh, Tennessee at home, Green Bay at home. uh, They, they need an upset to be a big factor when the calendar turns to November. And just to demonstrate how far out of favor
2: Carson Wentz had fallen with the Colts. I, I, interviewed Colts GM Chris Ballard last week and at one point I just kind of made the throwaway comment well you know it's strange to think if you somehow win that week 18 game against the Jaguars Carson Wentz may still be the quarterback of your team and he's like, eh, 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 not so fast basically and I don't think I don't think that's necessarily the case we still would have had some hard conversations I mean it was clear the owner of the team was done with Carson Wentz. And I think some of that venom is going to slip into that game when they get together this year, not to mention Philly, because it's 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 part of the hatred between the Eagles and the Commanders. The Browns, two primetime games, none of them coming after Week 8. And I was reminded of the conversation we had, Peter, at one point about scheduling the games involving a potential Deshaun Watson suspension. When would they be? I was reminded of the interview of Howard Katz by Chris Mad Dog Russo 12 years ago when Mad Dog as he is wont to do was pressing Katz on the idea that the NFL deliberately delayed Steelers primetime games until Ben Roethlisberger's suspension ended and Katz was like that's not how we do it yada 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 I look at this and I don't know what clues to discern because they're on primetime twice in the first eight weeks. You would think those games would have been later. They got a lot of 1 o'clock Eastern starts, a whole lot of 1 o'clock Eastern starts. Kind of like we don't want people having to talk about Deshaun Watson at all. And I still hold out the possibility that he's going to get suspended the whole year. I still think there's a chance that happens after the Trevor Bauer two-year suspension. The NFL has kept its cards close to the vest. 22 cases are still pending. There are people in the league office that think he should not play until those cases are resolved. I can't rule it out. I'm not saying it's likely or probable. All I'm saying is you can't rule it out because we have no idea what they're going to do, and there are no clues to be
1: discerned from that schedule. I totally agree. I saw people trying to read the tea leaves last night on the Brown schedule. What does it mean? Ah, no primetime games uh, after week eight. They don't want to put uh, Deshaun Watson on television. Ah, the, uh, the uh, Buccaneers game, a one o'clock Sunday game. They don't want to have a huge duel with anybody in prime time or on national TV. I, I think that's all malarkey. I think, I think the NFL basically has no idea, and Howard Katz right now has no idea, What Roger Goodell is going to do, there are people in the league office, and Mike, you talked to a few, I talked to a few, they really don't know what Roger Goodell is going to do about Deshaun Watson. And I'm not sure that Roger Goodell knows yet. I'm sure he has a good idea, but I don't think he knows for sure. So look, here's the fact, right? The fact is that if Deshaun Watson plays the whole year, the Browns are going to be pretty good and maybe better than pretty good coming down the stretch of the season. But who really thinks that Deshaun Watson is going to play the entire year? Who thinks that Jacoby Brissett, even with a good defense, the way the Browns have uh, is going to be able to lead this team to the playoffs. I don't think there are a lot of people who think that. So therefore why would you give the Browns some primetime games with all that uncertainty all you'd, have, all you'd be doing if you gave them a Sunday night game in December is viewing the likelihood that you might have to flex out. And the other thing is, Mike, I still think, and I don't care what anybody said, that the almighty ratings will rule. If the Cleveland Browns are hot as firecrackers in December and they might want to flex in a game at some point, maybe even the Bucs game, they're not going to let the anti-Deshaun Watson faction among some people in the league. okay, They're not going to let that rule the day. They're going to put on the game that is going to have the biggest ratings. The only card that Roger Goodell has shown is that
2: a paid leave is unlikely, that in lieu of putting him on the commissioner exempt list, they would just suspend him. But still, when you consider that there is a faction in the league office and it is there and it is, it, it includes people in positions of power who believe he should not play until these cases are resolved, you may have people advocating for a full year suspension using the Trevor Bauer two-year suspension to point in that direction. It's all a PR exercise. The entire personal conduct policy is a PR tool, and we don't know how it's going to play out. And I can't discern any number from the schedule and there's nothing in that schedule that causes me to say there's no way he's going to be suspended the whole year there's just there's there's no, yeah. nothing there that you can get get your, your there are your no brain breadcrumbs. Around.
1: yeah there's none. no trail
2: and maybe that's the way they wanted it um i know this isn't the way the jets wanted it one of the realities of a team that's trying to establish a foothold Get some easy games early. Not that there's a lot of easy games, but at least give us the Jaguars in the first couple of weeks of the season if if we're the Jets. Give us the Bears early in the year. Give us the Lions early in the year. No, they have the tour of the AFC North to start the season. The Jets become the unofficial fifth team in the AFC North facing the Ravens, Browns, Bengals, and Steelers. And then they get the Packers... Dolphins, Broncos, Patriots. Oh, God. The Jets could be 1-8 going into their bye week and still
1: be a better team than they were last year. But, you know, if you look at their schedule, they got two games that are easy, relatively speaking. <clears throat> they got the Jaguars late. And, Mike, my, my first thought was, how do you think our good friend Al Michaels feels about a week 16 Jaguars at Jets cross country trip at the holiday going to do a probably an absolutely totally meaningless game on Thursday night for Amazon Prime <laughs> with what might be the worst ratings of any national game in our lifetime <laughs> I uh, I have no
2: comment but uh, I can only imagine that the commentary <laughs> may have included some words that uh, that uh, only Sims gets away with saying on this program. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll recap the week that was in the National Football League when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. You're going to be one of the teams, undoubtedly, this year that's all over the map, prime time, different days, etc. When the schedule comes out on May 12th, what's the first thing you're going to look for?
1: Uh, week one. Where, where Where does it start? Um, you know are you home are you away is it is it sunday at one is it a primetime start uh, is it a division team
2: you know those are always uh, gonna you know our divisions gotten very competitive uh, from the soft the offseason moves those three teams have made so uh, i always look week one Well, when Brandon Bean looked at week one, he saw a trip to Los Angeles to take on the Rams to start the season, get the little mini buy on the back end. Some teams like playing that Thursday night game to start the season because it gives them a little more time for week two. We don't have a ton of time. We're going to get right to it. The games we can't wait to see in 2022, now that we have the full schedule at our fingertips. Peter, you're up first.
1: Mike, the first game that I can't wait to see is the first game of the year, and it's because this is not a powder puff 1-0 and win for the Super Bowl champion. This kind of reminds me of that game five years ago when uh, Alex Smith and the Kansas City Chiefs went into Foxborough and they beat the New England Patriots. I'm not saying the Bills are going to win at the Rams, but that has the feel of what this game could be. I'm going to stick with the NBC schedule week four last year. It was the Tom Brady
2: return to New England on that fourth Sunday. This year, Sunday Night Football week four. Chiefs and Bucks get together in Tampa Bay two seasons after Super Bowl 55. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady meeting for the sixth time and maybe for the last time. Who knows? But that should be a great one in prime time to
1: cap the first four weeks of the season. Number two. Tampa Bay playing host to the first game ever in Germany. This is a market that the NFL has been dying to partner with, to exploit. And I think that Tom Brady playing a game in Munich, I think there's going to be a ridiculous amount of interest. It's going to catapult the NFL into further heights, into new heights in Europe. And uh, the fact that it's in November, it gives a lot of buildup time for people in Germany before this game happens. So I think the Tampa Bay-Seattle game on November 13. Week six, late afternoon,
2: continuation of one of the greatest games we've ever seen, the Bills-Chiefs playoff game. That one will be played in Arrowhead Stadium. Bills and Chiefs get together again.
1: Over-under will be 95.5. Bring it on. Yeah, my my third one would be Sunday doubleheader window, November 6, Rams at Tampa. One of the reasons why I'm really looking forward to this game is that by this time mid-season, we're going to see is Tom Brady still Tom Brady. <clears throat> he was last year, but we're also going to see how the wear and tear of being the defending champions and being the huge game on everybody's schedule is going to matter to the Rams. That game in the middle of the year, I think is going to be a great one. Last one for me, and we could do five rounds today.
2: I am going with Cowboys Packers week 15. Des caught it. Mike McCarthy goes back to Green Bay where there's a street named after him for crying out loud. It's not week 15. It's some other week. What week is it? It is week 15. I was right. I should have kept my week mouth. Shut. 13 week 15 week 13 Cowboys Packers week is it- 15 is that Rams Packers game. I had week 15 on the mind. It's Cowboys Packers something other than week 15 and it's Mike McCarthy definitely back in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers that one and who knows how good the Cowboys will be this year. But just all of the subplots, that makes it, to me, uh, a great game. Uh, Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. Thanksgiving, captive audience. Bills, Lions in the first game. Giants, Cowboys late afternoon. Patriots, Vikings, NBC for the nightcap. And, you know, Peter, to the extent that the NFL is concerned about year-over-year ratings, last year that Raiders-Cowboys game was obscene and maybe they just think any game that we put in that spot is going to have tremendous ratings but Giants Cowboys used to be one of the marquee games of the year maybe by the end of November the Giants will still be competitive and it will be but uh, that was an interesting choice for the for
1: the Cowboys to have the Giants come to town because that game is not nearly as sexy as it used to be I thought so too and I thought the Patriots at Vikings game was totally totally out of left field for the night game on Thanksgiving. But the one thing that just appeals to me about that game, both of those teams, I don't know if either one of them is going to have a great record, but neither one of them is going to be out of it by Thanksgiving. And if I'm the NFL, I'm saying this is a good game because, and, and look, I don't know how many, what are they going to be like, you know, seven and five or 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 five and six, both of those games, both of those teams will really need that game. The Lions may not, well, they'd be thrilled to be 7-5 and five
2: or 5-6. Five and six. You, you notice something about their schedule. even though they're very present
1: in the preseason, they're not going to be very present in the regular season. Hey, look, you know, the NFL put the Lions on hard knocks this year. They gave the city of Detroit the NFL draft two years hence. And then they are the only team after this exciting, fun, energizing offseason. They're the only team that doesn't have a primetime game. If I'm Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions, my first meeting with the team, I put this schedule up and say, look at this, the league does not respect us. We have to go and make them respect us, Mike. And it it also benefits him because...
2: It's easier for him to get his team ready so he can play the we're not respected card and we get into a nice rhythm right. because we don't have to worry They're about really the next short weeks. <laughs> it's a, it's a great it's a great play for them. We're done. Thanks for some of your time. See you Monday.